Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, good morning out there to everybody in the A or the ATL, Atlanta, Georgia, and Philadelphia, and uh, Miami, Chicago, whether you're dialing in from the United States or from another country. I just want to let you know that right now you are listening to the winning book radio show, Off the Shelf, and we want to welcome you here to February 20th. You know, I can hardly believe that we, we, we are headed for March and soon spring. I really encourage you, before I deposit an inspirational word into you, I really encourage you to make the most of every second to, to let yourself be guided uh, by source and make the most of every second. Because before you look up, we all going to say the whole thing is over. So make the best use use of your time. What you do right now is going to impact you and others now and later. But we have a very insightful and talented author on deck for the days off the shelf. And I cannot wait to introduce you to this amazing author. But before I do, I want to just leave you with a seed of thought. And today's thought is... Don't stop when you're tired. Stop when you are done. Don't stop when you are tired. Stop when you are done. I mean, you might pause and take a little break, but you like get back out there. You're not you're not finished when you're tired and frustrated. You're finished when you're done. So, off the shelf listeners, as I always ask you, how good are you at figuring out a mystery? And how much do you value relationships and love? And these are relationships that like a romance, a a, a romantic relationship, an intimate relationship that is meant to last your entire physical experience. And it's something you've been set out for. It's going to challenge you, change you, and bless you. Do you value those things? And do you also love mystery if you do you will i think you'll love my latest book love pour over me i encourage you to get a copy of love pour over me you can get it in ebook or print format if you don't see it on the shelf store shelves just go up to the clerk and say i'd like to get a copy of love pour over me by denise turney and they can order a copy for you and call you when it comes in because love pour over me is carried by the largest book distributors in the world. So please go get a copy of Love Pour Over Me by Denise Turney. And let me know how you enjoy the copy. You can read free excerpts of Love Pour Over Me at chistel.com, and that's C-H-I-S-T-E-L-L.com. So I thank you for that. And now let us go and meet our very special off-the-shelf guest. And our special show, our special guest this morning I love introducing her this way, is the one and only Sheila Jackson. Now, Sheila, she is a teacher, listeners. She's an inspirational speaker and Christian writer. And if that's not enough, she also works as a clinical laboratory scientist. I was doing my research for her interview, and that I was like, I said, oh, my God, she blew me away. And included amongst Sheila Jackson's books are Joy and Pain, and that's spelled J-O-I, Joy and Pain, P-A-Y-N-E. And where was God? Where was God? Have you ever asked yourself that? I know I have. Perfectly Normal and the Enemy Within. And you can check Sheila out online at www. I don't know why I keep saying that because you don't need that. But it's <laughs> Sheila L Jackson Two dot com. So that's S H E I L A L as in love J A C K S O N number two. The number two now spelled out dot com. Sheila L Jackson Two dot com. You can hop over there and check out her website even now as you enjoy the rest of today's show and get to know Sheila Jackson even more. We are absolutely delighted to have her with us this morning on Off the Shelf. Welcome, 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 Sheila. Thank you so much, Denise. That's an awesome welcome that you've given me, and I am so excited to be a guest on your show to talk about my books. And We're looking forward to 
what you share because you have a, a blend of nonfiction and fiction books to share with our off-the-shelf listeners. So we, we, we're going to give him a, give our listeners as much as we can to in, entertain, inspire, and inform this morning. Now, our listeners love learning about the background of off-the-shelf guests. So before we begin, okay. Sheila, could you tell us where you grew up and what life was like for you growing up? Okay, I was born in Shreveport, uh, Louisiana. I'm still here. I lived here all my life. I love this city. Wouldn't want to be anywhere else. Um, life growing up in Shreveport, you know, it wasn't easy. You know, you had to struggle and fight for, you know, to survive. But I thank God for seeing me and my family uh, through those hard times. But, uh, yes, I've been here, you know, all my life. I have, you know, two girls, two teenage girls, one's 20 and uh, one 18. Both are in college, and I've been married for 23 years. Uh, wonderful husband, Timothy Jackson. You know, I thank God for him being my backbone, my inspiration, my supporter, uh, in everything that I have done thus far. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so you, 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 Shreveport, that's where um, Terry Bradshaw, Terry Bradshaw, and who else yes. is from there? There's a couple of athletes. There's a, a, a female basketball player I think was no, she's from Texas. But there are a couple of people who are from Shreveport, um, Louisiana. So we, welcome again. Now, have you always, you. Sheila, your clinical laboratory? And I want to, before we get into <laughs> talking about your books, that's a question I have listed yeah. to ask you. But before then, have you always wanted to be a writer? And if not, what inspired you or who inspired you to want to write? Now, my writing, it's weird how uh, everything, you know, played out. Uh, people remember me. I have no remembrance of it, but uh, adults, uh, older adults, they remember me as doodling on paper, always writing, uh, you know, stories and uh, trying to get them to look at it. And and it's just funny how God, some things stay hidden until that appointed time that God is getting ready, you know, to launch you out, put you out before the people. And I was just at the lab working one day and just the Lord just spoke to my spirit. And at that time I had a friend that was battling breast cancer and it's weird how the two, you know, come into being and the Lord just spoke to my spirit and asked me that I believe that I could do this. And, you know, of course my flesh, no, I didn't want to do it because I had other things that I was interested in. Uh, I love reading, but being a writer, uh, you know, I had no interest in it. And as soon as I stepped out in faith, God, I mean, just the doors just open up, words just start pouring, and it just shows you if you be obedient, God will take you to places and pull out things in you that you never knew that were there. Wow. Okay. That's So you would just ask, do you think you can do this? Isn't that something? Now, now were you – there are two questions I wanted to ask you before we talk about mm-hmm. your book. Were you in Shreveport? I know New Orleans is a town that really hit the, the international um, headlines, but were you in Shreveport when the Hurricane Katrina, they, they really, really, like, again, hit New Orleans hard? Were you there when that hurricane happened? And how has that experience affected your writing? I do know a lady who went through and she, she lost everything. She said mm-hmm. she, it just changed her forever. But were, did the Shreveport get hit hard? by Hurricane Katrina, and if so, did that experience, and in what ways did it affect your writing? Now, uh, we're about five hours away from New Orleans, and we got some of the, you know, the minor part of the storm, but it wasn't devastating as it was in New Orleans. And it's funny that you brought that up because uh, by me being in the laboratory, most of the workers from down there had to deploy to our laboratory to uh until they heard from their families, and we also had to participate in it to take calls and to make sure everybody's families were all right. And so it's funny that um, before Hurricane Katrina Katrina hit, hit the first book that God uh, put in my spirit, The Enemy Within, it's uh, some of the writing depicts the storm down there. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it was weird because I didn't even know it until after I went back and read my book for the second time, and I saw about, you know, the uh, the storm and uh, 
the warning comes before destruction. And it's in that particular chapter that it talks about that in depth. And it kind of scared me a little bit because I talked about this before the storm actually happened. And wow. so although I wasn't uh, uh, physically there and, you know, felt any uh, of the pain most people felt from that storm, but we still had to participate in it uh, with the workers, making sure everybody was okay, um, you know, but thank God, you know, Shreveport did get, get hit hard, but all of us felt the devastation because they were sending most of the people here to Shreveport, and then most of them went on to Dallas, Texas. Oh, okay, okay. Yes. Now you work as here, here, here again. I'm doing my research, and and I love mm-hmm. to do this when I get ready for shows with different authors and and as a writer, do, interviewing people for magazines. But I, I mm-hmm. learn so much from every interview. And when I'm doing research, it is almost it almost happens that something jumps out at me doing the research that like surprises mm-hmm. me about <laughs> the guest. Now this surprised me. As I was doing research for your interview, I was like, whoa. Now, you work as a clinical laboratory scientist. Yes. Uh, how long have you been doing that work, and what attracted you to it? And what, what does a clinical laboratory scientist do? Okay. That's First a long all, way been, from being a writer. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> now, a clinical laboratory, they also call it a medical technologist also. We work in a laboratory. Any body fluids that you have in your body, you imagine we test that, you know, from the blood, from any liquid part of your body without getting into the gross part of it. We test it. The doctor does not know how to uh, diagnose you without us, and that's the best way to describe my field. So most people give the, the credit to the physicians, but they would know how to diagnose you if it wasn't for uh, the clinical laboratory scientists. And I've also been working in this field at least uh, for about 27 years. Wow. Yes. So what attracted you to that line of work? Did you did you know what all it involved when you started out, or did you get into it and say, okay, I'm here now? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I love it. Um, I love, I've always loved science. Um, and I've always, I've tutored, you know, chemistry uh, when I was in college. And I just love everything about science. I love the way the body works. I, I mean, it's just amazing uh, how God created the body. And if you look at stuff not only from the physical, but the fear, physical, I mean, the spiritual side of it, and uh, it, it's just amazing how the body is put together and the things that happen, you know, when something is thrown off course within the body. You know, so I, I've always been a fan of science. Okay. So, so. Uh, 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 let's let's go to your books now. The, the, is okay. the enemy within? Is this your first book? And for our listeners who are just they're just being introduced, perhaps to you, Sheila, as Sheila Jackson, author Sheila Jackson, mm-hmm. and to your book. So, is the enemy within? Is this your first book? And is it a work of fiction or nonfiction? Now, the enemy within is nonfiction, it, uh, and that's the first book that the Lord spoke to my spirit. Um, I thought this was going to be my first and last book, and I'm like, okay, God, I've, uh, uh, I've accomplished my mission that you wanted me to do. I'm done, not knowing that three books would follow that. But the enemy within is nonfiction, and it deals with us uh, as human beings, how we you know, try to put for the, the good or the bad deeds done in our body, how we try to blame people when things don't work out so well in our lives, when in essence we only have ourselves to blame, and it also have scriptures in there. And I like uh, the Living Bible because the Living Bible speaks like us and and not over our head. And for us to see everything in life and how it's played out and how everything was uh, just ordained from the beginning, you know, uh, within the end within. Can you uh, – so is this the book that when we were talking about the hurricane, the the pieces Mm -hmm. you saw, is this – is this a book where you went back and read it and you saw the, you're like, whoa, like the, uh, the yes, you, you, yes. Oh, okay. It, uh, can you tell? Can you tell us what are some of the, um, the enemy within? When, if you can just tell our listeners a little bit more. I know you say how we want to blame other people for mm-hmm. things that happen to us and don't want to take responsibility for it. Is that enemy within a way that we think, a way we misuse our minds? or not want to take accountability for ourselves, so then we use our minds to literally search. I think this is probably at the root of our wars even, 
So mm-hmm. say, I'm not I'm not going to take responsibility, but I feel like something is wrong. So let me now use my mind to search for who's at fault, and then I will attack them. Yes, uh, and uh, with the enemy within, it, it deals with the battle that's within the mind. Because, like, when you look at on cartoons or some shows, you see, like, you have a angel on one shoulder, a, de- a yeah. devil on the other shoulder. Mm-hmm. And most time, we always love to blame the devil for the, the the bad things that we do in our body, but we have choices. And that's one of the chapters, like chapter three, deal with choices. We have a choice for every decision that we make in life, whether good and bad. And so we can't often blame the devil. You know, he can put the thought there, but what it goes with the enemy within, uh, within deals with is the battle within the mind. Because every day we awake, we are battling with something. Should I do this? Mm. Should not do this? And it also goes into give us scriptures. It don't just leave you hanging. And I don't like when I deal with nonfiction books of this manner, I don't like to tell what Sheila thinks. I like to go into the word of God and to show us that God always gives us a remedy. You know, he doesn't want us to fail. He doesn't want us to fall within, you know, our uh, sins or to become, you know, a statistic of it, but he gives us a way out of it. And so if I make those bad choices, I need to own up to them and said I could have handled this in a better way. And then instead of putting guilt on myself or blaming others, accept and acknowledge what I've done, ask for forgiveness, and, be, you know, and become the person that uh, God intended for me to be. Yeah, so also, don't go back um, and... I, I'm listening. No, go ahead. Also, with the enemy within, it, it takes you on a journey. Uh, and I love the way how God uh, did this, is that he started me out uh, with this book from the tree of knowledge of good and evil to show us where everything began. And then at the end of uh, the book, it's going to take us through, like, renewing the mind. And it's, uh, chapter 10 is talking about created to worship. So it's going to take us from the beginning where we fail as human beings, and then and at the end where we should rise up and be victorious as the people that God created us to be. So it takes you on a journey from the beginning, from your pitfall to your rising up and to you becoming uh, the spiritual individual that God created all of us to become. Now, what, what about someone who says perhaps uh, that they don't feel they could, they could have a mental health issue, and I, and I do think that those there are people who really do have a mental health issue or there's something maybe that happened in their childhood that repeated itself so often mm-hmm. getting raped by a parent over and over and over again it could be mm-hmm. abuse where it's it's almost i forget what psychologists call it but they say uh, an imprint you have an imprint mm-hmm. on your mind and it's almost like is there's a groove and you get stuck right there so what, yeah. what about a person who they say, I, I didn't ask for to get raped over and over as a kid, or I didn't ask mm-hmm. for this. And these are experiences that a lot of us didn't have. I know mm-hmm. I can speak as an authority on that because I didn't go through that. But and they're, they're, or, or they have a mental health issue or some type of chemical imbalance in their brain. Something is going wrong in their brain. And they're like, how can I be held responsible for that? Do you d- go into that or is it more speaking to people who don't have these type of issues? Okay, uh, now the second book, Perfectly Normal, deals with those issues. Um, okay. sh- we go through different things in life, and, like, I'm I'm not the person to try to downplay because those uh, feelings and those spiritual uh, uh, things that people are going through of that nature, what you just said, are real. And, mm-hmm. like, God... Uh, told us to be long-suffering with those individuals. We have to make sure as if when he says, when your brother's down, if I'm strong, I need to be there to strengthen my brother or my sister. So if they're going through those mental issues, I should be there not only uh, with the word of God, but also with what God left us. He left us doctors. And, and as us, especially as black Americans, uh, the first thing we want to do is I don't need to see a psychiatrist. I don't, but God left them there here. For a purpose, he uh, anointed them, whether we want to believe it or not, to be there to help us not only with the physical aspect, but also with the spiritual, uh, the money forces that's trying to take over us to say that you're not, we're not supposed to take responsibility for what's happened to us. No, 
I wouldn't downplay a woman being raped over and over again because it's not her. It's the individual that's at fault. But how Satan plays with our mind, he makes us feel like we are the guilty ones. Or we had, we've done something to cause this to happen upon us. But as long as we live up on this earth, that this is Satan's territory. Anything, I don't care if you saved, a sinner, or who you are, anything is liable to happen to us as long as we're on this earth because it's Satan's territory. All we have is God's word to hold on to and to get us through those tough situations as we go to where we won't fall in the, you know, to the pitfalls of them, but find some kind of way through God's word and through those individuals that God left for us to help us, to help us through those dark moments as you just spoke about. You know, and I'm I'm glad you 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 shared that. You look, we're all here together as brothers mm-hmm. and sisters and in this so it, it, it and nobody is perfect like you said in this That's world. Right. We all struggle with different things. So if you need help, don't feel ashamed to reach That's out right. and ask, ask for help. It could be for anything. Some people go through their whole life in this world and they can't read or write. They want, yeah. they're too ashamed to get help for that. They, it's just different things. You just, you, I don't want nobody to know. Well, mm-hmm. it's still impacting you. So love yourself yeah. enough to reach out for help so you don't have to deal with it and be bound by it anymore. Just, just do yourself that favor. Uh, people, people don't, people. People don't want nobody to know. They're dealing with anything now exactly. in church. They they put on that, I don't want nobody to know what's going on in my family. I don't want nobody. Mm-hmm. How are you going to get help if you just keep that hiding That is so it? true. And the now, I, I do want to share this with the uh, listening audience, is that I can put my own self in this situation because of what happened to me in the ministry uh, about four years ago. And that's why I I have learned if, if a person comes to me and they are going through Situation, you know, we often want to say, well, you need to get over it. I'm tired of hearing about it. But until I found myself in this situation in the ministry and a minister groped me and got out of his place with me, oh. I almost fell into a depression, a depression behind oh. me. And if it was not, I mean, if it was not for the spirit of God, and I had, thank God I have a strong husband that talked to me, that helped me through that, and having other leaders to, uh, to help me through that situation, if I did not know God and his word the way I did, I would have fell a victim to that situation in my mind. And so wow. I would never tell anybody anymore that you need to get over it. I talked about this situation, and, and I guess I had to talk about it for those for almost three years until I came out of that situation. Wow. And coming out of that dark place is not an overnight thing. And yeah. if it wasn't for God guiding me through, and I thought about my, my two girls at the time, both of them were in high school, and I said, if I tap out, if I allow myself to yeah. fall victim to this depression that I'm, I feel myself going into, what's going to happen to my kids? And then yeah. when I started talking to myself, getting more in the word of God, discussing it, not keeping it within myself, but discussing a situation where people could help me. That was the only way that I rose from that I got out of that situation. Woo! Well, praise God for that. You know. What, what, you leaned on your, I'm sure, your own personal experiences, the enemy within. And and uh, mm-hmm. it put, it, I thought about Joyce Meyer's book, The Battle for the Mind. Oh, yes. And yes. and that, 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 the enemy within, our thoughts, like you said, it's like it's a, it, every day you wake up and it's a new thing. Um, That's right. What type of research? Did you do while you were developing the enemy within? Did you like interview people, conduct surveys? Did you do research at the library for for our listeners who might be interested in the enemy within? Mm-hmm. Uh, how, what, how what type of work did you do, and when pulling the book together? Now with the enemy within, I have been a teacher uh, in my in the ministry for about twenty six uh, years, and so mm-hmm. I uh, I talk to people, I counsel young women, and I'm a people watcher. And so, and I watch things that people do. And I watch some of the comments that they say when they get caught into some of their situations. Mm. And that's when God starts, now the inner within was, in my flesh was a totally different book until God started taking this thing and threw out everything that I thought that I wanted to write in this book and gave me what I really needed to be able to help people. 
And uh, so when I started writing The Enemy Within, it was just from watching the interaction of people every day. Uh, the, the men and women that I taught in the ministry, you know, um, and it went from there. And I also researched, like uh, Joyce Myers, The Battle of the Mind, and I started looking at other writers um, and, and, and just, you know, and searching the scripture and see what God had to say about us as people in, in some of the things that we do. And one thing I love about God is that whatever he puts in that Bible, he gives you a remedy. He always put a but there. Although I failed in this situation, God put but, you can rise up from it. So I wanted the inner within to depict it, not to down me as a person or what I've done or in my life, but I want that but there to let me know that there is life after that downfall. That's why I love John McClurkin's songs, We Fall Down. Yes. Because God give us a remedy. We can get back up. Right. And get back, you know, and, and and get back on that pace where God put us at. He doesn't, man put us behind. Like when I mess up, I might have to go back to the back of the line. But with God, wherever I stop at from doing good, by the time I make up my mind that I want to get back in line, get back doing the right thing, God put me right back where I left off at. Not at the beginning, but right where mm. I left off at. What, what three to four strategies, before we start talking about your other mm-hmm. books, what three okay. or four strategies can people u- utilize to ensure that they're following God, talking about the enemy within, that they're following mm-hmm. God and and not giving in to temptation? I think a lot of times we think temptation is like it was some big, ugly, red thing with horns on it. Well, mm-hmm. yeah, that's easy to avoid. Mm-hmm. It is subtle. It's extremely subtle. So you don't you, – sometimes you ha- you all the way through something before you realize you made it. Yes. <laughs> That is so, so true. How, how, are there any strategies that you could share uh, that people can utilize to ensure they're following God? We know they can look at the scriptures, but in specific day-to-day life, the scriptures not going to tell you whether to go go do something or should you go out on this date with this person. That, mm-hmm. So, what are some what are some strategies people can use to ensure they're following God and not getting pulled astray by these real slight, subtle temptation yes now i would give what i use for myself um i try to search myself on a daily basis and all of us we're gonna go wrong at some point in time in our life we're not perfect human beings thank god for jesus to uh to give us a remedy through that situation but for me i search myself if i find myself in a situation or things are not working out or a relationship with a friend you know um if i've done some in that situation i ask god to show me me to search myself because all of us, sometimes you're not all together right. Uh, you may know scripture, scriptures, you may be, you know, uh, the biggest person or whatever you want to call it, but we all have faults. And so I ask God to show me me. And if I find fault in something that I've done, be a big enough person to go get that right because I feel like people will respect you more if you own up to what you've done than try to sweep it up under the rug. And also Mm -hmm. with the subtle sins, we like to put sin into a category. But, and most people, you know, may not agree, but according to the word of God, that um, all sins are weighed with the same merit. I want to talk about my little white lie, and I'm looking at a person that maybe molested a child or uh, killed an individual. Well, that white lie holds holds the same weight. Sin is sin. God does not put a category on sin. If I'm right. not if doing you, the will of God, then I'm doing wrong. Whether right. it's me committing adultery or whatever you might be doing, all of that is on the same playing field according to the word of God. So my thing is is to search, each of us should uh, search ourselves to make sure that our lives lined up with the word of God. No, I can't tote the Bible under my own 24-7, but I can put his word in my heart to where if I concentrate on the things of God from day to day, it will help me. You know, if I find myself at this situation where I do want to go wrong, I have that word in my heart to say, Sheila, you know this is not the person that God created you to be. Mm. And so those are the things that I would encourage the the listening audience to always search yourself. Don't look at nobody else and say that this individual caused you to do that. Nobody can cause you to do anything that you don't want to do. Mm. 
Yes, yes, yes. We we that, again not want to take responsibility for your life. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we search our childhood. We search mm-hmm. different things. Like who is to blame? And yes. that's who we're going to attack. We'll attack them with our thoughts. Mm-hmm. We'll attack them in conversation where where gossip and lies come from. But yeah. you're right. In order to really live an empowered life, we ha- we do have to take responsibility mm-hmm. for ourselves. Is is the enemy within? Uh, and the next, I want to talk about perfectly normal. But is it written in like a Sunday school lesson format? What's the format that you laid the book out in? The format it uh, the format of this book it opens with uh, man rationing with his sin in his mind. Whatever it is he's dealing with within this book, he's talking to himself. And every chapter from chapter through, uh, 2 through chapter 10, this person is going to be talking to themselves about should they do this or should they not. And uh, the format that I use is day-to-day living to where a baby can pick up this book and understand it. And most ministers, they have, uh, like, uh, Bible study groups. They use this book uh, here in Shreveport. Uh, uh, one church uh, in particular, they bought uh, their, uh, a couple of these copies for their ministers once they graduate from the ministry. Okay. And, okay. Um, excuse me, I have a sore throat, so I'm trying to talk through it. But, well, you um, sound great. <clears throat> so if you keep me hear my voice kind of cracking up. But uh, I thank God for this book because it's used in layman's terms to where anybody, you can be a sinner, and you can pick up this book and understand it. Okay. Whether you want to toss the scriptures out of it, you can look at the just the writing of it and say, I have been there. I have been through mm. this. I, I have thought this. And so I thank God for not letting me speak over people's head, but speak to their heart, rather. You know, mm. because most of us, you know, we, like, we go back to that putting the blame. And I have a relative, have gone through some stuff as a child, and still at 60-something years old, can't snap out of it. They can't uh, let go of it. And they can't let yeah. go because you hadn't allowed God to come in to fix that situation, to help you through that situation. So I use this book, uh, I don't want to say I use it, God Pin this in me, the enemy within, and perfectly normal to show every area in our lives where we have fallen and where we have, and where we can, you know, get, uh, how I want to say this, uh, how we can see ourselves in a better light if only we'll give it over to him. Yes. Now, it's perfectly normal. We want to talk about your, an, another one of Sheila Jackson's mm-hmm. books for off-the-shelf listeners. It's perfectly normal. Is that written for youth or adults? It's written from teens all the way up to adults, although the, the child is on the, the biracial child is on the beginning of the cover. But this book, I use that picture to show us as human beings how we should love ourselves no matter what the shade of our skin is, you know, no matter what background we come from, uh, a situation we've gone through is to love ourselves. And, and Perfect and Norma goes through how God showed us the beauty, our work, and what he thought enough of us to create us, you know, no matter what our background is. Now, why do you think, Sheila, you, you hear about bullying at school and mm-hmm. would, it, would it work if it, and bullying is prevalent at work as well? Uh, just you, Not just bullying, but it seems that, and I don't know if even one of us has lived our life completely free of this, but mm-hmm. why do you think we trust the opinions of others Especially when it comes down to who we are and what and our own worth, why do you think we trust what? If somebody said to me today, uh, "You're ugly" or whatever, I, I'm I'm at a point I don't think it would impact me so much. Yes, but I'm, I can't say it wouldn't influence me or impact me at all. Why do you think we trust uh, uh, the the opinions of others so much? Now, to me, because uh, personally, Norma deals with that. It deals with the bullying in the school. It deals with abuse in marriages, uh, how one uh, couple demeans the other one as of a total control over their lives. I just believe that people, the reason we allow people to do that to us is because we don't love ourselves, and it starts from childhood. 
And I think it's what the parent put in their child. That's why I use my time to tell my girls, and my husband does the same, to let them know that they are beautiful. I have some of the most confident girls. You know, although they're 18, and even when they're in high school, if you come to them and tell them that they're ugly or whatever, they'll be like, oh, okay, that's your opinion, and they'll move on. And I think this is instilled in us from youth that whatever your parent or you allow somebody to feed into you at that young age, it becomes a part of you. And as you grow up as an adult, that particular stigma, it, it gets to be hard to break free of because you have to look at that the person that's doing it to you wants total control over you. Mm. And if they can have total control over you, then they can tell you anything and you'll fall prey to it and believe it. And we need to understand that all of that goes back. There's an attack from the enemy. You know, you cannot get away from anything on this earth without putting God in it. Although yeah. people don't see it, but you cannot get away from it. It's, this here is a form of total control. If you can destroy a person, you pretty much have them. Yes, yes. Now, the subconscious mind is powerful. Yes. And it, it holds like memories and emotions. And they they influence our choices, and in ways we're not even consciously aware of. It, 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 and the mind never stops working. It, it never, That's even true. when we sleep, is working, is working, is working. So, how can somebody? You gave the example, uh, and we're talking about perfectly normal for our listeners. Mm-hmm. The book perfectly normal. But how can somebody who was told for years that they have low value? Uh, that the the parent might tell them, you're so dumb, you're, so, you're ugly, and look at this old nappy hair, or you're so lazy. Yeah. How, how can they release those beliefs in their subconscious mind? You can say and consciously, so this, oh, I don't believe it, it yes. doesn't matter, I don't care, but it doesn't mean those scripts aren't still playing below the in conscious level. Right. That's right. I just believe that for us to break free from that, we have to go back to find out what our creator, God thought enough of me to create me to look like I do. If he right. thought it was ugly, he never would have designed me in the first place. And mm. so I, I use scriptures to go back. I go to Psalms um, where the Bible talks about that I am perfectly and wonderfully made. And so my thing is I try to always use God's word when I'm trying to, you know, write, especially when you're dealing with uh, issues of this nature. Because as for me being a teacher in, a, uh, in God's word, I cannot talk about these issues without bringing him into play. And so we need to go back and find out what God says about us. And uh, also the book opens up with says that death and life are in the power of the tongue. It's what you believe. Mm. If you believe you're ugly, you're killing your own self. If you believe wow. you're worthless, you're killing yourself. But God meant for me to be victorious. And so right. if I start speaking those things that are positive, and number two, uh, what I want to say to that is that it goes back to seeking help. Yes. You, you, most people, you know, like I said, don't want to see psychiatrists. Uh, and my thing is I, if, if a person's going to go that route, I prefer to go and see someone not only that deals with the mind uh, of psychiatrists, but also deal with the spiritual aspect of it too as a psychiatrist. Right. So you can help them on the on the physical sense to help them with the medical part of it and then also incorporate uh, God's word in it as they're helping uh, their patients to get through these negative situations of themselves. But we right. we have to go back. We have to love ourselves. And I know that's easier to say it than done, but we have to fight. Whatever is it's a spiritual battle going on on this earth. And whatever you're trying to pull yourself out of, you have to fight hard to get yourself out of that situation. You and know, so, I like you. Go ahead. I'm listening. I'm listening. No, go ahead. Okay, but we have to learn to fight through that. It's whatever you want out of life. Stop playing the victim. And that's one thing I try not to do. I try not to complain and blame people or like, woe is me, or nobody likes me, or because my hair looks like this, I'm never going to find a husband. God has somebody for everybody. And you can pull yourself through it if we get uh, out of that poor mentality or that woe is me mentality. You know, I really appreciate that you the the the, <laughs> the the sharing because it really comes down to everything 
there's the truth and there's a there's there's the lie. And and, mm-hmm. and so are we gonna be tempted to believe a lie or mm-hmm. are we going to trust in the truth? It's really pretty much that's just it. So, um but when you say the truth is, if God said I created you in my image, so if you mm-hmm. ugly then you must be thinking I'm ugly too. Mm-hmm. So, it's what what's what's the truth, and then you're just gonna have to accept that. It it mm-hmm. would be wonderful if this was a world where lies were never told, and these type of things didn't happen. But that's not what, so we have to hold on to the truth. If you created mm-hmm. in God's image, then there's no way you can be ugly, mm-hmm. and that's the truth. And you just have to hold on to it, despite yes. what other people might say about you. And like you said, you might have to do it for years before mm-hmm. you really start to grasp it. That's I want right. to I want to I want to. I want to add, we want to talk about uh, 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 so what are some of the topics, uh, before we talk about where was God, uh, your mm-hmm. first Christian romance novel, but what are some of the topics, specific situations that you cover and discuss in Perfectly Normal? Uh, the book opens up with uh, an identity crisis to show us, you know, how we um, have most people, I, I open up with, most African Americans, they want to travel to Africa to get in touch with uh, who they really are. And most of our counterparts, they want to go to Europe and abroad to find out who they are. And so it shows that we are dealing with an identity crisis. We don't even know who we are as human beings, as children of God. Mm-hmm. And we're thinking that we have to go somewhere, like I have to leave Shreveport, Louisiana, to find out who I am. I can go search the scriptures and find out who God says I am in him. I don't have to spend thousands of dollars to try to travel to another country that I have no knowledge of, that I didn't come out of. Yeah, my ancestors came from Africa, but I was born and raised in Shreveport, Louisiana. So I need to find out who I am through the word of God. Also, Mm -hmm. you know, we have uh, damages of the tongue, how we allow people to, you know, say negative things about us, and then we run off and believe what is said, you know, about us. But as one chapter uh, talks about talks about the color of beauty, I think it's over in chapter twelve, where I deal with how every uh, you know uh, everybody came into this some great melting pot, and that all these colors were considered beautiful by God, but as one color exalted himself over the other colors and told all the other colors that they weren't beautiful. And mm. all the other colors believe that one color. Wow. And I said, when God starts sharing that with me, how we, you know, allow people to put us in this category that when God made this rainbow, and chapter 12 does, uh, deals with that, the color of beauty, that every color in the rainbow is a different shade, but every one of them are beautiful in the sight of God. But here on earth, we're not. You know, we, I mean, mm. we have people to tell us that we're not beautiful. And right. we are. I don't care what your right. race is. And this book is not dealing with race. It's dealing with everybody. It's dealing with every race that you can imagine. So this is not a black or white book. This is a human uh, uh, book, a human race book to show us how we should love ourselves and what God thought about us. Mm. Now, now, let's, let's, we're coming down to about 15 minutes left in the show. These shows okay. go so fast. I definitely want to talk about. Where where was God? Now is where was God? And to our off the shelf listeners, we are speaking with Arthur Sheila Jackson. Now is where was God? Is this your first Christian romance novel? Yes, it is. It's my very first baby. Oh my goodness! So what inspired <laughs> you? Okay, you wrote The Enemy Within. You said you thought this is going to be my first and only book. Boom, I'm done. So what inspired mm-hmm. you? Then you wrote Perfectly Normal, two nonfiction books. So mm-hmm. what inspired you to go down the uh, not a fiction avenue? The reason I wanted to write uh, Christian uh, fiction is that I wanted to tell most Christian fiction books that you read, they have, because uh, I was a member of a writer's group, and the way editors and publishers, they wanted to put you in a box. And I wanted to read books that deal with real life, like if, you know, Christians, I mean, you're not so perfect. You may curse or you may, you know, have, uh, you know, commit adultery. And according to, like, the standards that the uh, the publishing companies want you to write in, they don't want to deal with any of that. They want everything to be, like, in a fairy tale type setting. And for me, that's not real life. I want to 
read books, and I'm pretty sure that I'm not the only one out there. I wanted to read books that were relatable, that if there's some person, something happened in their life and they curse, or something happened if if they were molested, then the the story doesn't deal with molestation. But if I decide to write a story like that, well, I want to be able to put it in a book without being so – you know, how uh, will someone make me take it out? I want to deal with real-life issues. Right. And I want you my books to... to, and I want my books to weigh on people's mind even after they close the pages. Mm. So that said, Sheila, could you introduce off-the-shelf listeners to Faith Angelica Hope and Jason McCoy? Can you tell us what they're like, what their personalities are like? Yes, with uh, Faith Angelica Hope, which after uh, 12 years she changes her name to, uh, she just wanted to uh, use Faith uh, Hope because she felt like uh, Angelica, it just brought too much, you know, with Faith rather. She dropped uh, Faith, and she just wanted to use Angelica Hope because she felt like the name had too many curses attached to it because of her childhood. And she's a person just wanted to be loved. You know, and her father, you know, built her up. He, you know, told her she was beautiful and put her on a pedestal. And she never knew why her mother hated her so. Mm. And this is going to cause a lifetime of pain. And with uh, uh, with Jason, you know, he's the type, he was a young minister as a child, a prodigy. And later on in the story, uh, he's going to become a financial uh, advisor. And their lives are going to, you know, uh, come together because of an investigation. And now so you, he is – No, go right ahead. He is, uh, he is the type of person, you know, he's, uh, he's confident in who he is. You know, he just – going back in his mind, what's bothering him is that the love of his life. He, that's the only thing that's putting a stop, uh, uh, kind of like holding him back is that he's searching for the girl – that he uh, fell in love with as a child. And Aww. he's getting older now, and he wants to settle down, and now he has this investigation that he has to deal with, you know, that they're accusing him of stealing money from the company. Wow. And that's where the two lives collide. You know, because I wanted she's to ask... be investigating him. Oh, <laughs> I wanted to ask you... Um... And then you kind of alluded to it. You might not be able to give it a, give the answer. Mm-hmm. But I was going to ask you, this popped up in my research, why mm-hmm. does Faith's mother treat her so meanly? If you're to give away the story, don't <laughs> tell. You but... story on that. <laughs> oh, okay. It, yes, is her father. There's going to be a twist. Okay. Is her father in her, oh, oh no, no, this question, you, you probably could answer this, though. Does her mother treat her meanly from, like, her infancy? I mean, yes. almost like from, oh. Yes, and it's going to be a reason why, and you, the readers have to read on. It's shocking. Oh. To why. Yes. Now, where, where her father, you say, the daughter, but is he in yes. her life? What happened to him? Is he in her life? Now, we'll tell that part. He's going to die uh, at, uh, at the age of 12. Um, oh. She's twelve years old, and the story the story opens up at her father's funeral, oh. and that's when everything began. Okay. Yes. Now Faith goes on to investigate Jason. You said. Mm-hmm. So what um, is Faith? What, what is what's Faith's career? Is she like a private investigator? What is she? What does she do for her? her what's her career field? Yeah, she is a, an investigator. Um, and she's going to end up being put on the story. And she's not really a private investigator, but uh, she's going to end up investigating Jason. They're going to assign her when she really wanted to take a break from, you know, her life and go and search, you know, uh, sort things out in her mind about why, you know, her mother doesn't love her. But this story, because she's one of the top reporters at the television station, they're going to put her, uh, either they're going to assign her to this case. And that's when everything, the mystery, the suspense, and everything is going to unfold. Wow. Now, how old are Faith and Jason? How old are they in the start of the book? And I have another question I want to ask you about uh, the, the book. Where is what's okay. God? How old are they? How old, are, how old is Faith? Okay. And how old uh, is Faith? When the story opens up, 
um, Faith is 12 years old and Jason is 13. And when uh, the book is going to go 12 years later, and it's going to open up with uh, Faith is 27 and Jason is 28. Oh, okay, okay. Yes. What happens to both of them to cause them to question the presence of God in their lives? Now, Jason is confident say? who he is. Now, Jason okay. is confident in who he is. And okay. because of uh, Angelica's childhood and the things that happened to her as a child and on up, She's the one that's going to question, where was God? And okay. now I will tell you this, she turned her back. She want no part of God. Mm. So in this. Can you, I'm, I'm, for some reason her mother is intriguing, so is her father. Her father mm-hmm. passed, he's passed. Do you, do you let, introduce the readers to him so they can at least see what he's like, even though he's passed? Yes. And can you describe her mother? Now, the book, um, like on the synopsis part of the book, it gives you uh, on the back part of it, and you can read it on Amazon, it gives you a little uh, backdrop of her mother. It was like she uh, could give Corella DeVille a run for her money. So that tells wow. you the type of person that she is. Oh. <laughs> wow. you got to wonder why her father was attracted to her. Jesus. Yeah, kinda... you will find out. <laughs> wow. Okay, so what have readers yeah. been saying about where was God? What have you? What kind of feedback have you been getting from readers about the book? Now I have been getting some uh, great reviews on uh, where was God. Uh, I had a lot that said they couldn't put the book down, you know, and it was twists and turns on every page. Uh, some said they read it in one day because they had to know how the story was going to end, and the suspense yeah, well, got the better of them. With the mom and the investigation, the father's passed away. He's like the only one, it seems like, who was in Faith's corner, and now he's gone. And she, mm-hmm. I can only imagine what she's thinking. You you leave me this yeah. mean mom, and you take my <laughs> loving father. <laughs> so and the way imagine. I like how the story unfolds, it's going to give you a lot of backstory. As you're going through, you're going to get a lot of backstory of everything that happened in her childhood because the, um, the beginning, the prologue can only give you so much. But then once you get into the story, it's going to give you a feel of the mom and the dad and the type of people that they are. Okay. Can you give our off-the-shelf listeners, uh, Sheila, as we come down to the last seven or eight minutes of the day show, can you give our listeners a synopsis of your new book, your latest book, Joy and Pain? Yes, uh, Joy and Pain, I will tell you uh, this much, because now I have it uh, up for pre-orders on Amazon and other sites. Uh, With Joy and Pain, the story opens up with um, she losing her husband and twin boys in a car uh, accident where a young girl was texting while driving and wiped out her entire family. Oh, my God. And that's where the story opens up to where after two years she's still grieving the loss of her family. There is a lady we interviewed on Off the Shelf. She was on T.D. Jake's show. When you, mm-hmm. I was listening to you, a similar thing happened to her. But her husband was mm-hmm. driving to work, and a, they got hit by a trainer husband. One of her daughters survived. The other one didn't. I was listening oh, to you, and I was like, wow, yes, yes, yes. So, so can you give uh, tell us introduce us to Joy and Pain and some of the other characters in the book? Yes, um, Joy Campbell. She's um, an emergency room nurse, a trauma um, nurse, and um, and like I said, she lost her entire family uh, in one day, and um, and she wants to love. And you could tell in each chapter that she wants to let go and love, but she feels like she's committing adultery on her deceased husband if she mm. let go in love. And uh, Wyatt Payne, he's a fireman, and he, he's recently divorced uh, to one, you know, his wife. She was the type of person, she was all about money. And Trina wanted, you know, him to become captain, and after that didn't happen, she left him for a doctor. Wow. And so we're going to see where Joy and Pain comes together, you know, even though neither one are looking for love, but somewhere wow. down the line, you know, everything's going to play out, you know, and he's wondering why she won't, you know, she can't open her heart up to love him 
and that's all I'm going to say about about this story. Okay, I can I can tell you that you like. Oh, I can't say too much. Now, yeah, it's, yeah. people can pre-order it now. When will it be on market for 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 people to to actually purchase beyond the pre-order? The paperback, uh, the paperback, and the on Kindle uh, comes out uh, March first. Oh, whoa! Mm-hmm. About a week away. Now, yes. now, what what lesson, Sheila, did you learn while writing your first novel that you continue to use today? Well, what do I want to say to that? Um, the lesson that I learned is to believe in my own instinct uh, mm. and be careful. You not you can uh, you know we allow people you know to uh, to critique our work, but go with your gut. Because most people, you know, they they will do stuff in a mean spirited if they are jealous of your gift or they'll say nasty comments or if you have somebody editing, a friend or somebody editing your book, and they'll go and write their own story, you know, instead of correcting what you told them to or asked them to. And so my thing is to believe in your own writing. And that's why I stepped away from everybody and everything and and, and I wrote my stories the way I wanted them to, you know, uh, to be. Okay. So believe in your own work. Can you share four, just a few, maybe even as few as two or three, uh, effective things that have actually worked for you, effective marketing uh, strategies at getting the word out about your books? What I've used, I've learned, and, and this through research, um, and I was researching a writer, and she was saying that all the money that she put into her books to market her book did not work. The thing wow. that worked, and I saw that it worked for me, is that you have to make your books reasonable at a reasonable price where people can afford to buy them. And she noticed that when she lowered the price down on her book she and put a great cover on it, the cover and the price, it, it would sell. If you got a good story and then word of mouth, if somebody – hears about, you know, read the story and they enjoyed it, they're going to share it with somebody else. Right. Because, and I believe that because once i taken back my rights from the publishing company of Where Was God and I start going on my own to uh, and self-publish Where Was God, I have sold more copies on my own than when I was with the publishing company. Wow. And that was, you know, and it's um, crazy how it happened. You know, I started seeing every day where the book was being sold, the book was the ebook part that was being sold, and I'm like, why didn't it work when I was at the publishing company? You know, wow. and the cover was I didn't like the cover that was on it. They had for where was God? They had a flame of fire and a heart in the middle, and so it, it looked like a, a a nonfiction book, and so people never would have attributed to romance. Ah. Wow. And that's what's working for me right now. It, I'm, I appreciate you sharing that with uh, here on Off the Shelf. For our mm-hmm. listeners, the cover, and I've heard other people yes. say that, the cover, the title, yes. the synopsis, and then the price uh, of the book. Where can Off the Shelf mm-hmm. listeners get copies of your book, Sheila? Uh, you can go to Amazon. You can go to Barnes & Noble. Um, they have Kobo. You have Smashword. Uh, anywhere where books are sold online, you can find copies of my books. And, and do you have any other website? Okay, and 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 I'm going to give the website out again before we close to our listeners. Mm-hmm. Do you have any upcoming speaking engagements you can uh, make us aware of? Uh, uh, March 20th, the only one uh, that I have so far, and um, I have to go and discuss uh, my books um, with a women's group, uh, a book club. Uh, in North Cattle, uh, Louisiana. Oh, okay. And yes. can you tell us uh, the social media networks where people can find you and connect with you? Yes, you can find me uh, on Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram, which I just recently, my kids kept uh, nagging me about getting on that, so I finally um, got on Instagram. Uh, Goodreads, uh, you can find me there also. And just look for Sheila Jackson. That's how they would find you? Uh, you can say Sheila L. Jackson in, in our pop up. Okay, okay. Well, we mm-hmm. want to thank we want to thank Sheila L. Jackson for being here with us. Again, she's a teacher, inspirational speaker, and a Christian writer. And amongst her books are Joy and Pain and Where Was God. Her two novels, Joy and Pain, is her latest to be out in March. 
Perfectly Normal and The Enemy Within are nonfiction, and those are her first two books. And you can find Sheila L. Jackson online. Again, she's on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. And also uh, you can find her at our website, which is Sheila L. Jackson, the number two not spelled out. So that's S-H-E-I-L-A-L-J-A-C-K-S-O-N, the number two, dot com, Sheila L. Jackson, two, dot com. We want to thank Sheila Jackson, again, the author of Where Was God, Perfectly Normal, Joy and Pain, and the Enemy Within for being here with us on Off the Shelf today. And we encourage you to come back next Saturday, 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, for another great show here on Off the Shelf. As I always tell you, thank you. I appreciate you to our listeners and to Sheila and every guest we've had on on Off the Shelf going on 12 years. Remember, you're incredible. You are awesome. You're amazing. Go out and create a fabulous day for yourself today. See you next Saturday. Bye for now, and Sheila, I'll shoot you an email. Okay, thank you so much for having me.